0: lifted up be lifted higher. That's what we're asking. That's our heart, that's our desire this morning, and we believe that God's going to do just that here today. Now we want to go ahead and lift him up and lift him higher, Jesus himself through the preaching of God's word. We are in a series that we've titled The King is Among Us. That's where we're that's where we're at today. That's where we're focusing today that he is among us and that should That should do something to us. And so I want to invite you right now as we continue to make our way toward Easter Sunday, which, by the way, is next weekend, uh, just be aware, be reminded that the King is among us and that King has a name. His name is Jesus. Let's go ahead and welcome him in right now through this scripture this morning found in Luke chapter 19, verses 28. Through 40, Luke chapter 19 verses 28 through 40. I want to give you a moment to find yourself a Bible. Go ahead and look on your phone. Go ahead and get there somehow. If you need the cheat sheet, praise the Lord. We got it for you at the bottom of your screen. Can I get an amen from somebody? If you're there right now, say, I'm there. If you're ready, say, I'm ready. If you're hungry, say, let's eat. If you're ready to run it, let's go ahead and run it right now from Luke chapter 19 starting in verse 28 here we go text says it like this and when he said these things he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem when he drew near to Bethphage and Bethany at the mount that is called Olivet he sent two disciples saying go into the village in front of you where on entering you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever yet sat untie it bring it here if anyone asks you, why are you untying it? You shall say this, the Lord has need of it. He continues into verse 32. So those who were sent went, went away and found it just as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owner said to them, why are you untying the colt? And they said, the Lord has need of it. They brought it to Jesus and throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it and said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. Father, I pray right now in Jesus' name, we've continued to come to you in prayer all throughout this worship service. But one more time, now I wanna come to you and ask you for a deposit from your word. And God, for you to speak directly to our hearts and minds right now through this message on this Palm Sunday. In Jesus' name, be among us. Amen. Amen. The King is among us on Palm Sunday. I want to title this message, The King is Among Us. And he's bringing peace. The King Among Us bringing peace. That this King that we're talking about, that we've been speaking about, that we've been reading about, he's a bringer this king named Jesus has brought something to the table. He's bringing something into your life. If you invite him into your house, if you invite him into your heart, if you invite him into your life, he's going to bring something. Praise God that on this Palm Sunday, he tells us that he brings peace. That our God is one who brings peace. Let's go ahead and look at it step by step. In Luke chapter 19, starting in verse 28 says that when he had said these things, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. Well, what he had just got finished doing was he was preaching parables. So these parables are these stories that have principles to apply. Sometimes they look like riddles that you have to figure out. They're not always actual literal stories. What they are are they're, they're, they're stories that have a principle tied to them that we can learn from. So Jesus just gave a principle about the ten minutes. And what that is, is a master, a king gave his different people uh, different talents. And he comes back and he says, what'd you do with them? And to the one who multiplied them, he said, well done. To the one who grew the talent, he said, well done. To the one who kept it safe and hid that talent and didn't do anything with it, he said, you wicked servant, give your talent to the one who had more. And I think just really quick, what that shares is that whatever God's given you, the gift that he's given you, use it work your gift. Use the gifts that God has given. Use the talents that God has given you to multiply it, to double down on your gift, to see great things happen because of it. But he continues here, and he says, after he had said those things, he went on ahead. He went up to Jerusalem. When he drew near to Bethphage and Bethany, the mount that is called Olivet, he sent two disciples saying, go into the village in front of you. Where on entering, you will find a colt tied on which no one has yet sat. Untie it, bring it here. If anyone asks you why you're untying it, you shall say this, the Lord has need of it. If I can just speak on that just for a moment, I think that it's quite wild that Jesus says, I'm getting ready to make my way into Jerusalem, and this will be the last time I enter Jerusalem. That Jesus knows that this is gonna be the start of Passion Week. Jesus says, here's how I'm going to enter in. I'm going to enter in on a baby donkey. And Jesus says, when I, the king of kings, makes my grand entrance into Jerusalem, I'm coming in by way of a donkey. There's something that is quite staggering about that picture. I read this quote from Thabiti Anuabbi. He says it like this He says, When kings came to cities in times of war, they came on mighty war horses, terrible steeds. But when kings came in on a donkey, it meant that they were coming in peace. That Jesus makes a very clear point that he declares to us that he's coming and he's bringing peace. That on the first ever Palm Sunday, when Jesus makes his way into Jerusalem, he makes his way bringing peace. In fact, the, the name Jerusalem means the city of peace that we sometimes tend to name cities, right? Philadelphia is the city of brotherly love. Some people know Las Vegas as the city of sin, but we would call it the city of him because God is doing something in our city. Come on, amen? Right? He's doing something right now in our city. He's shaking it up. He's pointing our attention and affection back to him. Well, in Jerusalem, it was called the city of peace. So here we see the city of peace. And Jesus, the prince of peace, coming in, declaring peace. I had the, the privilege of, of visiting South Asia not too long ago and had a chance to be in a city called Mumbai, right there in India. And I was able to visit a site that you see here on the screen called the Gateway of India. The Gateway of India. While I was there, I began to ask this question. This beautiful site, this beautiful arch right there in the Gateway of India, what was the purpose of this? Right there I go. I'm there and I'm asking, what's going on here? Like, why did they sculpt this masterpiece? And then some people just began to tell me this was the reason Why? That the gateway of India is an arch monument that was built in the early 20th century in the city of Mumbai, in the Indian state of, I'm not even going to try to pronounce the name, all right? (laughs) And it was erected to commemorate the landing in December of 1911 for the king and emperor George V and queen empress Mary, who would be the first British monarchs to visit India. So how cool is that? How unique is that? How mind-blowing is that i said so wait they built this big arch come on let me just show you the picture of it one more time right that the the architects constructed this masterpiece that's very detailed in the different nicks and crevices and it's got sculptures and inscriptions all over it. that they built this just so that the king and queen of england at the time could make their way into india They built this just for them to just demonstrate honor that they wanted to make a grand entrance, that they wanted to arrive on the Arabian Sea and then walk off of there and say, the king is here. Look at this grand entrance in India. What a paradox that we find the king of lowercase k kings, Jesus himself. Say, I'm, strolling in I'm making my entrance now and all that I want is a donkey is a colt this baby donkey that I want to ride in on that because here here's what I'm declaring I'm declaring humility I'm declaring that it's not even about me even though it's all about me right I don't need to be the center of attention right I'm bringing glory to God that we see Jesus here saying, I don't need a big, huge horse to declare war. I'm coming to bring peace. Now, mind you, let me remind you that Jesus one day will come back, and he will come back on his horse. He will come to declare war. And he won't come necessarily with a rag in his hand, but with a sword in his hand to rescue his church and to declare victory over Satan, hell, and death and when he does that, it's gonna be a really good idea to be on his team, right? He, that's the winning team, all right? That's Jesus's team. He is not soft. He is not cowardice by any means. He knows exactly what he's doing. But right here in Palm Sunday, he's saying, I've come to bring peace. And he demonstrates it with the animal of choice. I read a quote recently from Napoleon Barnabas. This great soldier, this great conqueror, this great emperor right from France, and he once said it like this. He says, I know men, and I tell you, Jesus Christ was not a man. He says superficial minds see a resemblance between Christ and the founders of empires and the gods of other religions. That resemblance does not exist. There is between Christianity and other religions the distance of infinity." He says, Alexander, Caesar, Charlemagne, myself founded empires, but on what did we rest the creations of our genius? Upon sheer force. Jesus Christ alone founded his empire upon love. And at this hour, millions of men will die for him. So we see actually Napoleon the Great Say, look, I conquered much by force, but I am amazed by Jesus who came in on a donkey who didn't have to conquer with force, but he conquered with love, humility, and grace. This Palm Sunday, I want you to see the king that's among us, and he is bringing forth peace. Let's continue reading on to verse 32. It says, so those who were sent went away and found it just as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners said to them, why are you untying the colt? And they said, the Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus, and throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. I just want to stop and just talk about that just for a second. I think, I kind of find it humorous. I want to encourage you to read the Bible. It's Passion Week, get into the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and read the stories of Jesus' life. But this right here made me laugh. Jesus says, look, go into the city, go find a a person who has donkeys for sale, go find one who has a baby donkey, a colt, and say, hey, I'm I'm taking this, the Lord needs it. And that person's going to ask you, why are you taking it? And then respond, the Lord needs it. And it's just so funny, the the disciples go up, they find this guy, and they say, hey, we're taking this donkey, and they say, and he says it, why are you taking it? And I wonder if they said, man, Jesus told us he was going to say that. Jesus did say that he was going to ask, so let's go ahead and say it. The Lord needs it. I just want to encourage you. Whatever God has called you to do, he's going to do it. If you take a step, he'll take a step. If you say, God, yes, I'm going to go for it, he, here's the instruction. Sometimes God will give you some instruction that may even be a little confusing. might require you to do something that you might not know the result, but just trust that his plan is better than your plan, that he knows the outcome, and it's going to be good. So they go ahead and get this baby colt, right? They, they bring it to Jesus, and Jesus says, here we go. This is what I'm talking about. I'm ready to make my way into Jerusalem, the city of peace, as the king of peace. And they set Jesus on it. They put their cloaks on it. And they said, okay, Jesus, he's on his way. The first point that we see in this passage that I want to really identify is the peace that's in the prophecy. The peace that's in the prophecy. The king is among us, he's bringing peace and we see that this peace was actually talked about hundreds of years before it actually happened. That there was peace that was found in the prophecy. In fact, Matthew's account of this exact same story, Matthew 21 verse four and five says that this all took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Zechariah saying Say to the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you, humble, mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. Jesus is saying what I'm about to do is actually be the literal fulfillment of Zechariah 9, verse 9. Maybe you don't believe me. Maybe you're like, man, prove it to me. I'd be glad to. Zechariah 9:9 says it like this. Hundreds of years before Mary and Joseph would get together. Hundreds of years before the angel would visit Mary. Hundreds of years before John the Baptist. Hundreds of years. Zechariah was prophesying this exact moment. He says, rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Come on. Righteous. Having salvation is he, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim, and the war horse from Jerusalem, and the battle bow shall be cut off, and he shall speak, say it with me, and he shall speak peace. Peace to the nations. His rule shall be from sea, to sea, and from river to the ends of the earth, that this prophetic moment was actually talked about by Zechariah. And Zechariah says that when this Jesus, when this King, when this Messiah comes, he's bringing peace. He's speaking peace. He's got a word today. Jesus has a word today. The word is he's speaking peace to you. Oh, cash in on that promise. I love the fact that our God and our Savior Christ says he's well aware of the coronavirus. He's well aware of the pandemic. He's well aware of the struggles that you and I are facing right this moment. And he says, I've come to bring you peace in this storm. I want to encourage you on this Palm Sunday to go to a Jesus who's come to bring you peace. Peace is the absence of fear. Right? Peace settles in and all of a sudden we get confidence again. When peace hits our heart, we get joy again. When peace gets our heart, depression leaves and stress runs away because we have peace. But praise the Lord, we have a Savior who's come to bring peace. It was prophesied about in Zechariah. It's lived out in Luke chapter 19. Let's continue looking at it, right? Luke chapter 19, verse 36 through 38. It says, and as he rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road. The prophecy is fulfilled again. It says, as he was drawing near already on the way down to the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for the almighty works that they had seen. Saying, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. They they see Jesus and they start getting excited that the disciples and the crowds and the audience begin to lock in on Jesus and they go, yo, 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 get excited. That's peace right there. right? If the first point is that peace is in the prophecy, the second point is that peace is in a person. That we see in Palm Sunday that peace is actually dwelling inside Jesus. Peace is in a person. Jesus tells us that he has come to bring peace. In fact, the Apostle Paul affirms this in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14. Paul writes and he says, For he himself is our peace. If you're looking for peace this morning, if you're in search of P-E-A-C-E, like, you, you, you are in need of peace. You, your soul is very hurried. Your heart is very rushed. You are unsure and uncertain about a lot of things. You need peace. I have good news for you. Peace is a person. You need Jesus. You and me and your mom and dad and brothers and sisters and friends in our city and our nation and our world need peace right now. And the promise is that we can have it. Send Jesus. Peace is a person, right? We see in this text more on display. It says that they began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen. Verse 37. It says that they, they saw that Jesus had done mighty works and that Jesus had brought peace to people. They said, man, we've seen him bring peace. Now, maybe you're not quite sure. Can I just go ahead and highlight that phrase for a second? I just want us to see it. That they began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice. Why? For all the mighty works that they had seen. That they had seen Jesus do these things. They had seen these mighty works. I don't know about you. Have you ever seen Jesus do a mighty work in your life? I don't know about you, but I've seen Jesus do mighty works in my life. I've seen Jesus do mighty works in our church. I mean, look at this verse with me. I want to put it up on the screen. Verse 37, mighty works. Just begin to think right now and recount and recount so, Just some of those mighty works that he's done in your life. Thinking about times when I prayed for healing and seen it happen. Thinking about times where I was at a coffee shop with Pastor Wes and we started dreaming and praying about God providing for us a ministry van and a lady right there on the spot wrote us a check. I'm Thinking about times where my wife saw miraculous things happen in her life and in, in our boys' lives now and things in the past that just, just hearing stories and just multiple miraculous moments that we need to remember the mighty works of God. That leads to peace. In fact, these people, that's what they did, right? They saw Jesus and they said, we've seen some mighty stuff from him. We've seen him bring peace. A casual read through the Gospel of Luke will show you this. Let me go ahead and remind you that in Luke chapter 4, Jesus brought peace to a man with an unclean spirit. Luke chapter 5, Jesus brought peace to a leper as he cleansed him of his disease. Again in Luke 5, he heals a paralyzed man. Then in chapter 6, he heals a man with a withered hand. Then in chapter 7, a centurion came up and said, Can you heal my servant? And Jesus said, Yes, I can. In chapter 7 again, there was a widow who had a son who was dying. Jesus raises this widow's son to death. In chapter 7, a sinful woman is brought in front of Jesus, and Jesus says, I've forgiven your many sins. He brings peace to her. In chapter 8, Jesus is on a boat, and there's a storm that hits the boat. And Jesus looks at the storm and says, peace, be still. Chapter 8, there's a man who has a demon. He's possessed by it, and he goes up to Jesus, and he leaves healed. In chapter 8, again, there's a woman with an issue of blood. She touches the cloak of Jesus. Jesus gives her peace and healing. In chapter 8, there's another man named Jairus. He has a daughter. He thinks that she is dying. He invites Jesus over the moment that peace steps in the room this daughter is awake. The peace is a person. In chapter 9, Jesus feeds 5,000 with a happy meal, right? Two, Two pieces of bread and some fish. Jesus says, that's plenty. I can bring peace to these people's bellies. Matthew and Luke chapter 9 again. Jesus is transfigured on the spot. He does a quick Bible study with Moses and Elijah, and Peter is freaking out. What should we do at this moment? Jesus is doing mighty works. Chapter 9, a boy with an unclean spirit appears before Jesus. Jesus says, I can bring peace to you, young man. Right. Jump ahead to chapter 17. There's 10 people that have leprosy appear before Jesus. They say, can you heal us? Can you have mercy on us, O King of Peace? Jesus says, yes, I can. All of a sudden, 10 people with leprosy leave healed. Leave experiencing supernatural peace. Leave changed, different, a new person. One came back thankful, saying, Jesus, thank you that you gave me peace again. Right, Our walk youth learned about this story. That that there's one that turned back and was thankful, right? Like nine got healed, but one got saved. He experienced the peace. Right after that, in chapter 18, there was a blind man named Bartimaeus. Call him Blind Bart. He appears before Jesus. Says, Jesus, Master, can you heal my sight? Because you've done a whole lot up to this point. Jesus says, yes, I can. Do you want to see? Right right after that, Jesus appears to a sinful man named Zacchaeus who climbed up a tree and says, Jesus, can you do something in my life too? I've defrauded many people. I've stolen my way up to success. And Jesus says, I'm coming to your house today. I want to bring peace to your house, Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus left a changed man. That leads us up to this moment. All these people are thinking, man, Jesus has done a lot peace as a person. If you need peace in your life, you need a relationship with peace. You need a relationship with Christ. I want to encourage you, brother, sister, friend, young adult, older adult, get to know peace by getting to know Jesus. May this be the week that you spend more time with Jesus than ever before and be more peaceful than ever before. I've found When I'm lacking peace in my life, it's because I'm lacking in my relationship with Christ. So friend, be be near to peace by being near to Jesus. Be near to Jesus and be near to peace. The final point in this sermon that I like to bring our attention to is, is peace in our praise. That peace would be the accompanying of praise to Jesus, right? We found peace in the prophecy in Zechariah nine. We found peace in the person Jesus, but that should lead to peace in our praise. This text finishes up in verse 39 and 40. It says that some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, "'Teacher, rebuke your disciples.'" It's just how I picture these Pharisees, the haters. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. Jesus making us aware that even if people were to stop praising, that the creation in itself would start praising, that our right response to this person who is peace, to Jesus, to to this king, to this prophecy, is that we should praise him, that we should worship him. That's what these people did, that they saw Jesus and they said, you know what? We just need to start worshiping. We just need to start praising In fact, in Matthew chapter 21, it shows that they began to praise. Matthew 21, 9 says that the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting. When's the last time you shouted to the Lord? Come on, I know maybe you sang to the Lord. Maybe you've whispered prayers to the Lord. But when's the the last time you got alone with God and just started shouting to Jesus? You started praising him with your voice. You started shouting. They started shouting. They said, Hosanna to the son of David. They began to shout Hosanna on the first ever Palm Sunday. They said, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. The word Hosanna means, Save us, God. The word Hosanna means, Please save us. That may be the right response to COVID-19 is a Hosanna praise. The right response to our situation and our circumstance, local church, is Hosanna. The right response is that we would get hungry for God and say, Hosanna in the highest. Save us. Oh, come Savior, come Messiah. Come and save and save greatly and bring us peace. It sounds a lot like the angels In Luke chapter 2, verse 14, they said the same language. Luke chapter 2, right? The angels show up and they say, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. That the peace of God is going to follow your praise. The peace of God, glory in the highest is following this person named Jesus. It should be a Hosanna praise. The Hosanna praise is met by the peace that follows Praise. Shout to the Lord again. Jesus says if you fail to do it, that it's okay because the creation itself will cry out in your place. But I don't know about you, but I don't want to be outdone by a rock. I don't want to be outpraised by a tree. I don't want to be outpraised by the street and the ground. I want the street and the ground and the tree and the rocks to know about the praise of my God. That's something I want to encourage you with through this text, that the right response should be worship, the right response should be praise. The ESV study Bible says that all creation, go ahead and say that with me, say all creation, all creation, wherever you're at right now, let somebody hear you, all creation, all creation was made to worship the King who is Lord of all. Maybe, you, maybe you're asked, why, why did God make me? Why did God wake me up? Why did God give me breath? Here's why. So that you could worship him. And the secret is that when you worship God, you'll find peace. Right? Know God, you know peace. No God, no peace. But when you get to know him and worship him, peace follows this person named Jesus right? The creation itself is declaring it. Psalm 150, verse 6, the last psalm in the book of Psalms, the last verse of this chapter says it like this, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. And then the psalmist said, praise the Lord, right? Let's just praise Him. Peace follows the praise. Isaiah chapter 55, verse 12 says it like this For you shall go out in joy and be led forth in peace. Praise God. The mountains and the hills before you shall break forth into singing. He says, All the trees of the field shall clap their hands. That the trees are going to start clapping about our Savior. That, That the mountains are having praise sessions. What are we doing, church? Isaiah 55 says that the peace of God is hitting mountains. The peace of God is hitting trees. That if we get this, that we'll go forth in joy. If we understand this, then peace will follow us too. Psalm 69 verse 34 says, let heaven and earth praise him, the seas and all that moves therein. What are the fish singing this Palm Sunday? What are the whales screaming this Palm Sunday? What are the sharks saying to the sharks? They're saying, God is good. Jesus is alive. Peace is among us. The animals are declaring it. The rocks are crying out. So Jesus very humbly rebukes the Pharisees that say, hey, Jesus, tell your disciples to chill out a little bit. Jesus says, if they don't... If they don't praise, these rocks will praise. Jesus says, if they don't praise, these stones will praise. I find it funny that Jesus says, the stones will praise. Because in 1 Peter, Peter refers to the church as living stones that praise Jesus. I want to encourage you, church, as living stones, fellow priests, to be men and women of praise that get hungry and excited for our God. This is a actual retelling of Psalm 118, verse 26, which says, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Right? Psalm 118, look at it with me. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We we, we bless you from the house of the Lord. Right? Jesus is saying, I'm fulfilling Zechariah I'm fulfilling psalms, I'm fulfilling prophetic words all around this moment. Can anybody see it? As Jesus struts in on the donkey, he's curious, does anybody even see the masterpiece that's unfolding before them? And I just wanna ask you, do you see it as well? Do you see the king that is among us That wants to bring you peace. And if you do. Let's get ready to respond right now. Warren Wearsby in his commentary. He says that Jesus came. To bring peace. But the people rejected him and declared war. They wasted their opportunity. Don't waste this opportunity. If you're logging on, if somebody shared this and you're just now seeing it, don't waste this opportunity. I'm begging you. I'm pleading with you. Don't waste this opportunity to praise our king. He said they wasted their opportunity. There is no peace on earth, but there is peace in heaven because of Christ's work on the cross. That there is peace with God for those who trust the Savior. Listen to me. Look at me through this screen. You can experience peace with God through the Savior. You could experience peace with God by getting to know Jesus Christ. In a final verse, I'll just give you one more verse just to prove it to you once more. Romans chapter 5 verse 1 and 2 says it like this. It says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, listen to this, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, in which we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Friend, Christian, sinner, wherever you are right now, you can have access to peace with God through your faith in Christ. That Jesus died the death that you deserved to die that Jesus rose from the grave that you would have stayed dead in, and he has lived to make peace with you and God and bring us together to have real peace and relationship with him again. That should lead us to praise, amen? That should lead us to worship. I want to give us an opportunity right now to respond to this praise, to this word, and to lead us in a time of worship. Let's pray right now. If you're ready to pray right now, pray with me. Father, I pray in Jesus' name. God, and I just ask you right now, Lord, to to be with us. And Father, if there's somebody that needs right now in the name of Jesus to, to experience your peace, that right now they would do just that. And that, Father, I pray that if anybody needs to receive you, Jesus, and not reject you this morning, receive you. Or if they're watching this at night, at this night, receive you. Or if they're watching this on Monday, receive you. If they're watching this at another time, they're watching this years from now, receive you. I pray they'd do that right now. You can just call on Jesus' name and receive him. Just right now, call on his name. Say, Jesus, I receive you. I believe you. Give me peace. Save me, Hosanna. I worship you. Fill me with your presence. Fill me with your peace. We're going to have our worship team lead us into a a time of singing right now. Let us respond to the King of Peace. He's among us. In Jesus' name, amen.